today on Life Talks, we're going to be speaking about atonement theories. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you, Ben. No, you're not. You're, 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 never, <laughs> oh, you're never honest with me. No, oh, starts already. I, I, I am so intimidated by this episode. Oh, this is so... No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Make me feel better by telling me, oh, this is really easy. No, it's not. I'm just saying, like, I, I promise you when you hear these, these theories, you're going to be like, oh, I've heard that before. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. No, we are continuing our series on Theology 101. Ben's dying of COVID on the other side. Listen, here, you couldn't hear all the hacking here's, here's going the, on. Here's the Either problem. Either he's been smoking like 12 cigars a day. I know. I, I've got this like raspy cough and, and laugh now because of COVID. Sounds like an old woman. And I'm telling you, man, it was like I felt like I was dying last week. Mm-hmm. I was in bed for three days. Massive fever, headache, vomiting. I mean, it was just like- All that tofu. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) You're- Just imagine how sick I'd be if I ate like you, Dan. (laughs) That's the question. Look, I am always healthy, except when I'm not, then I'm dying. (laughs) I have two speeds. (laughs) But you you had what I had, didn't you? Yeah, and I ended up in the hospital five days. Yeah, I mean, so it was- was, Yeah, but then I just bounced right back and I'm, you know, I'm I'm ready. Well, I've got got this lingering fatigue thing that I'm just, ugh. It's a good thing get. we're such good friends because otherwise I people know. would think that we, <laughs> I know. That we that we hate each other. I mean, but but I'm so sick of COVID. Can I can I just rant mm-hmm. for a little bit? I'm just sick of it. Like like I want there to be a a COVID bomb that we drop on society, <laughs> kill it. I want it done. I want it over with. Properly edited, this could make a very very <laughs> very interesting episode. <laughs> I mean, I know COVID's just yeah, but is, keep... aren't they really saying that COVID's going to be like it's going to be now yeah, like will, pneumonia? Yeah, I mean, it will turn into the it will turn it. into like the common cold, like the, like the black plague is going around. I mean, <laughs> I'm serious, like like the same flu that was the black like plague. Syphilis. No, but but <laughs> the same virus number that was the black plague, we still get it today. It's just we get a little little sniffles. I mean, it's just our really? bodies adapt. Yeah, I'm walking around the yeah. black. I'm, I mean, right, Josh, we, am I right? We, we knew a new mom whose uh, pediatrician had made the mistake of telling her that her young child had influenza and she freaked out. It's like, my child has the influenza. It's like, that's the flu. It's just the flu. What did they used to, didn't they used to call cancer consumption? Wasn't that what they call it or something? He's got, he's got the consumption. I oh, I, they didn't, I mean, cancer's not Now, this is term. probably like 100 years There's ago, like the Josh. Covered, uh, covered yeah, wagons? <laughs> like, what's that? was a kid. Covered wagons. <laughs> my Martha, we've got the consumption. <laughs> well, seriously, <laughs> cholera was, was just basically... Was that diphtheria? I mean, I mean, cholera was diphtheria. No, man, no, we no, are. We this is no, not no, no, at no. WebMD by any means. <laughs> cholera was just basically Montezuma's revenge without any hope. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, so. yeah. How did we get on this? We, top? Oh, because you, you coughed in the mic. You, I coughed. You brought up COVID. I complained, and I am delaying we started, atonement theories. We started. <laughs> This is all Dan's. Th- this is all Dan's plan. And, 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 and right like we, a delay. Yeah, delay I was gonna say right before we come on the air today, Ben's like, I don't know if we've got twenty two minutes for this one. We always. Find I mean, one. yeah, I I think what people are gonna find is there is a predominant atonement view. Oh, we're up. We're back to that. Okay. I'm yes. sorry. I didn't know we changed. We got serious. I can right. I can veer right back into the right Hold lane. It. I'm Dan. You're I'm, Ben. I'm ben. We're the teaching pastors yes. at Life Fellowship, yes. and this is Life Talks. And we're gonna right, talk about we atonement theories today. Dan. There we go. And so. The atonement theory that you are probably m- most aware of and is the most popular is what we co- consider penal substitutionary atonement. 
okay? It's this idea that Jesus Christ bore the wrath of for sinners, paid the penalty for sin, and, and through his death and resurrection overcame sin and death to give to us new life. That's that's all that I mean, do you agree with that? Well, absolutely. And 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 the reality is that often we intimidate not you, but pe- theologians intimidate the common folks by using large terms to yes. explain simple yeah. concepts. So atonement the whole idea of atonement theories is why did Jesus die? What is the whole point of his death? And there have been theories That's very helpful. Yeah, there have been very there have been a variety of theories that have over the course of 2000 years of church history that have been more popular than others. Um, and so we, since the reformation, the penal substitutionary atonement view of Jesus's death has been the predominant one. Um, it's because it's the reformers really honed it in Calvin and Luther and, and it's really what they, and, and, and all that is, it's a, um, it's, it's a more of a, well-developed view of the satisfaction theory that Anselm Anselm developed in the 12th century. And these are all theories that, I mean, there have been parts of these things that that have been taught throughout church history, but just certain theories of the atonement have been primary at different times. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So so if, if that's the dominant one, the one that, that, you know, is more largely subscribed to today, yeah. what are some of the others? So some of the other ones, uh, one of the most popular ones in the very early days of the church was the ransom theory. So the ransom theory was this idea that um, Jesus died to pay a ransom either to Satan or to God um, because of our penalty, because of our sin. So there was a there was a penalty that needed to be paid. There was a ransom that that after the sin, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, we were in bondage. To either Satan or in bondage to 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 sin, but but there a ransom had to be paid for us. Now, there I I don't think that you can find this idea of God owing Satan anything. So I don't like the rant. I don't like the. But the terms literally used in scripture, at least translated into English, using the word ransom. Yeah. So this idea is like this ransom ransom to who? And I think it's to to God. So so there's this aspect of yes, there is a there's a setting free from from bondage we we know we see this uh in Romans chapter 6 that we are enslaved to sin right and so um so the the ransom theory is one of the one of the more more popular ones another popular one in the early days of Christianity was what we consider the moral influence theory or the example theory and this is the idea that Jesus showed us how much he loved us uh he identified with our suffering and our death um and that Jesus's death his sacrifice was a moral example for us to follow that that there is a there was no there was wasn't really an exchange of um God being satisfied for anything like his wrath wasn't satisfied that Jesus death his 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 blood didn't didn't pay for any sins it was just simply Jesus came to experience death and suffering like us uh to know what it feels like and his sacrifice for us is an is an example for us to follow in his footsteps. So that's another, you know, theory of the atonement. Now, is is there a part of that true? Yeah, absolutely. First Peter chapter two verses twenty one talks about how that that his death is is a an example for us to follow. But I don't believe it's the primary view of. I don't. When you go back and look at whether it's the um, 
you know, the the ram substitution substituting itself for for Isaac on you know in Isaac's uh sacrifice that that passage of scripture on Mount Moriah you have the passover lamb um you have the day of atonement in Leviticus chapter uh 15 16 um there's over and over and over again in scripture this idea of a substitute bearing the penalty for someone's sins and so whether it's the day of atonement, whether it's the Passover lamb, uh, even in Isaiah chapter 53, what is it? It talks about that he bore our sins, he bore our iniquities, this idea, this foretelling of the suffering servant of Jesus. And so I throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, this idea of substitution, it just permeates everywhere. And so I, I really believe that's it's it's the it's the primary way of looking at the atonement. But you have the ransom theory, you have the moral influence or the example theory. Um, another theory is, and I like this theory because I think there's a lot of credence to it. And this is probably during the Middle Ages. This is probably the predominant theory of the atonement, and it's called the Christus Victor view. It's this idea that Jesus died; his death defeated the enemies of God. So the great and the enemies of man. So uh, it defeated sin, it defeated death, and it defeated Satan. That Jesus' death at some level, and we you can read about this in in the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians. uh, Paul over and over again talks about that Christ triumphed over the the spiritual forces of darkness on the cross. Um, That there is this there is this aspect of Jesus' death triumphing over death. First, First Corinthians chapter fifteen. So there is this aspect of victory over God's enemies that I believe the Bible does teach, and so um, I, I think all there there are certain parts of all of these atonements that are true and real for all of us, and that give us some sense of hope, right? So the ransom theory should give us hope that we don't have to be in bondage to sin anymore. The, the substitutionary atonement theory should give us hope that God can change our status in our relationship from one of shame and guilt to justified, adopted, like all those things we talked about in the last episode. Um, the Christus Victor view should give us hope that, hey, we our greatest enemies have been defeated by, by Jesus. We Now he has the authority and the power. That power and authority that Jesus won for us on the cross is now my power and authority. So that should change the way I view myself. It should change the way I view my struggle against sin. Um, and so these are all theories that that should should give us some sense of encouragement and hope that God has Jesus accomplished something. Um, the, the, the the only other theory that that I, I want to uh, touch touch on is the governmental theory. And the governmental theory really was. Um, developed, it's it's probably the most predominant viewpoint of within Methodism, but it's it's a it's a kind of uh, substitutionary atonement view. But it's Jesus didn't die necessarily for Dan's sins and for Ben's sins, but but there was a that sin had to be paid for, and therefore Jesus paid for sin like kind of like the idea of sin. And so not the specific little acts of all these little acts of sin that Jesus paid for, but he paid for uh, this this sense of he he paid for sin. And therefore, when you are under the the governmental authority of Jesus, 
your sins are accounted for because he has paid for sin. So I know those are kind of like splitting hairs, but those are just some theories that that people have developed. So, so <clears throat> when we look at all these theories, <clears throat> I didn't hear any of them that I would just dismiss out of hand as yeah. heretical or right. anti-biblical right. or whatever. And when we're dealing with something as complex and mysterious mm-hmm. as is God and our salvation mm-hmm. and his, mm-hmm. his intention or whatever, is it theoretically possible that uh, like when we have the names of God to describe mm. the character and nature of God, that each of these particular theories have enough biblical basis that we could say this is another facet of our yes. salvation yes. that was satisfied yeah. by Christ. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I, I think that each of these, at times, we draw upon them to help us understand God's love for us. And that, like, there are times when the Christus Victor view gives me incredible hope. Mm-hmm. Right, um, I, it's also good to when I whenever I fall back into feelings of shame and guilt, I, it's turning to no. I have been Christ paid the penalty for my sins. He no longer sees me as you know as an object of wrath anymore. I'm no longer dead in my trespasses, as it says in Ephesians chapter two. Um, I, I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus. So, so all of these, I think, are. There are times, and even even the moral influence theory, the idea that if Jesus was willing to go to the cross for for me, I mean, even look at Paul's uh, admonition to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There is an aspect of the cross that should be morally influencing how we live our lives, that there is a sacrifice that Jesus did for me that should play out in my own life. Mm. So I think that there are all these, I think you're right, all of them at some level hit us at different points and at different times to say, you need to see this perspective of the atonement. Um, I still hold on to the the, the root, the foundation one is uh, the, the substitutionary atonement view because to me, it's the one that really deals with the fullness of the change in status in relationship. That it's it's what Christ accomplished that makes that possible. Which book of the Bible would you say um, explains or outlines? Would that be Hebrews or, or? I think well, I think Romans is Romans. probably the the best. You know, Romans chapter. You know, really chapters one through eight are probably the bo- the, the best explanation of what Christ death accomplished for us on the cross, okay. in my personal opinion. All right. So <clears throat> we've been looking at soteriology. We've yeah. given everybody a 40,000-point view. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I would like to unleash Josh, our producer. <laughs> we got six yeah. minutes left. To, to, to play stump the theologian. <clears throat> oh, my no, goodness. No. But really to ask for some additional explanation on perhaps some things that we probably won't get complete answers sure. to today, but yeah. we can send people on a journey. Okay. Okay. So yeah. going back to last episode, yeah. then, <clears throat> you talked to, you, there's a, uh, you've said a lot of times about kind of describing people who are uncomfortable with things mm. that they learn about God, like mm-hmm. kind of typically probably Old Testament kinds yes. of things, right? Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, there's kind of a common critique that I hear in here. It's kind of like, you know, those people are taking their feelings and like mm. they're projecting them mm. on, onto God, which I do think 
those people exist. Right. But then you've got these other people who feel like, okay, if the actual accurate understanding of God is that he actually commanded Israelites to commit genocide, for example, mm-hmm. then like there is no way, no logically possible way for me to believe that is a good God. And so mm-hmm. I'm interested in what are your thoughts on that? When is there a difference between your view and the divine command theory view that basically says that God can basically do whatever he wants and that instantly makes it well, moral? Well, you know, because I think that God, God is true to his character, right? Mm-hmm. So when he commanded the the killing of the those the Canaanites, for the, the Canaanites, it was it was. It, and again, this is my this is my view of it. It's because of the Nephilim blood that was in them. It was there was a supernatural. The, I know we're getting into unseen realm kind of stuff yeah. right now, but it's the idea that there is a there is a incursion of spirit beings that created hybrid humans to destroy the lineage of Christ. And the whole point of Jesus saying, or point of God saying, wipe because he doesn't say wipe out all of them. You notice that. In the instructions of the Canaanites, there are certain people he just says, this is how you're supposed to tr- treat these people. And these people, wipe them out. Why? There was something about their DNA that I think that God was saying, we got to wipe them out. That's just my, th- that's my perspective sure. of But that's of still genocide. What's that? That's still genocide. I mean, yes. That's, that's the accusation people make is that God is somehow genocidal. But, yes, but, but you're but saying it was, it's it justifiable was, genocide. Is it was to to protect the the lineage of the protect the, the opportunity for the lineage of the Messiah to come. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah, why. And, he did and you it. say where? And again, the theory you just mentioned, I, it slipped my mind. The uh, divine command theory. Divine command. I'm 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 comfortable with that mm-hmm. because either God is God fully or He is not. But my other, I'm also comfortable how you explain it because in in the end. God does not act out of out, does not act outside of His character. Yes, I mean to, to me, it's just what what is what what is good in that moment is what is good allowing a DNA infiltration into the into the godly line that He has sent His Messiah so that the Messiah can't come, which it would be catastrophic for humanity, or to wipe out these people who would. Who would otherwise? You see what I'm saying? I, I see what you're saying. So, so if we let's try to like go a little bit more macro, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, I, the Canaanite example is one example. You've given yeah. one kind of version of a yeah. defense of that. Yeah. It's not the one that I've I think is the most plausible, but mm-hmm. that would probably be a couple of episodes itself. <laughs> so, the, the just divine command theory itself. Yeah. What would be your? Do you either agree with it or do you have a critique for it that you could help distinguish it from your view? Yeah, I I don't have a critique enough of it to get, go into depth of it, but I just I hold to the fact that God's God's decree is good because He is good. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's what I hold to. <laughs> that was simple enough. Yeah, it's pretty simple. What about you, Dan? I, I'm I'm looking at Josh's face and I see a strong desire in his part to offer a rebuttal. <laughs> oh no! Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much I should be trying to rebut here. Um, uh, I it, it, I struggle with with the Canaanite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I but that's one that I've been thinking about a lot because I just read a book on it that I found mm-hmm. really interesting. That kind of talked about some of the different ways of responding to that, mm-hmm. um, and. I do have concerns about the ways people, especially like Paul Copan, 
Um, I think the way they respond ends up basically defending genocide. I don't know that genocide itself is a thing that can be defended. I think there's interesting thoughts that maybe what God commanded the Israelites to do was not actually genocide, does Mm -hmm. not fit that category Mm -hmm. um, or fit the category of ethnic cleansing, which Mm -hmm. is another one that sometimes like could be thrown out. Mm -hmm. There's ideas that maybe wasn't even, this is like, we're not seeing historically accurate exactly what happened. Mm. Um, But I find them very important questions to try to figure out because I, I think at least I'll just make the, the the distinction for some people who are struggling with that, they would say it's deeper than I'm uncomfortable with this mean thing that God did. It's more like I have to figure out if this is actually what happened because mm-hmm. it seems like either this happened or God can be good, but it seems like they both can't be true in the mm-hmm. in, in, in the same mm-hmm. way. And mm-hmm. so yeah. that's where there's yeah. a there's a lot of depth there. Yeah. 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 And we don't actually know what we don't know about the whole scenario. Mm-hmm. We, you know, whether we're talking true. about the Nephilim yeah. seri- uh, yeah. theory or yeah. or so forth. And I think that's an important thing to hold in reserve yeah. uh, because you, you know, um the the notion of doubting towards your faith, doubting into mm, your faith, mm-hmm. I think is essential because first of all, it's only it's only right after we've already seen all the demonstrations that God is good mm. and that God is just and that God is holy and and all of the attributes we do know for sure about God, that w- this one incident or whatever would be sufficiently adequate to undermine our confidence mm. in all that we are have already yeah. demonstrated and known about God. Yeah. Um. So I I think you know to put it kind of crudely, God's earned the benefit of the doubt on, yeah. on this forest. At the same time, no, um, you know, no cure, no true intellectual curiosity can be satisfied without asking the tough questions, yeah. Yeah. which is what I love about theology. And what's what I love yeah. about life talks yeah. and what I love about people like Ben Rudolph and Josh Brom, yeah. because it allows us to be able to explore these. And that's what we encourage for you. We don't pretend to have all the answers. We do have a lot of questions, mm. but we do know this. We are absolutely confident that God's word is true, that God is faithful and that we are ought to, all ought to be on a lifelong pursuit of understanding and knowing him better. And so each time you listen to Life Talks, we try to poke you in the brain a little bit. I hope you have felt poked today. And as always, thank you so much for joining us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.